Happy Victory Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. And we're doing this live on YouTube. So if you guys are on YouTube, or actually, no, if you're on Spotify or any of those podcast platforms and you want to check out the live version, uh, be sure to go out and check it out, uh, the live version. But anyway, the New York Giants defeated the Green Bay Packers 24-22 on a Monday night. And... The team is feeling pretty good right now. I think the fan base is feeling pretty good right now. I would say about, you know, 70 to 80, maybe even 90% is just disregarding the whole idea of tanking, the whole idea of a draft pick, and really going out here and embracing the Tommy DeVito brigade, the Tommy DeVito stereotypes, the Tommy DeVito trend all across uh, this fan base and really bringing together this city. But... There's a lot of stuff we got to break down. Tommy DeVito's going to have his own segment. We're going to talk about the offense a little bit because they did play better than they did against New England, be it it wasn't as good of a defense. But we'll also get to some of the turnovers. The Giants have been very good with the turnovers, uh, both offensively and uh, defensively too. Um, snap counts, special teams, and uh, can the Giants make a run? That's going to be another subject. But, guys, throw your comments in, like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. I also have something to bring up before we get into the Tommy DeVito segment, but we'll leave it for that. Um, and also, shouts to Jacob in the chat. And uh, also, real quickly, shouts to Tom Grossi. Um, I know he does this thing when he's live that at some point during football games, usually it's halftime. He sends out a group of his supporters, and this guy's got like, I think, 100K subscribers plus, sends out a group of his supporters to another YouTube channel, and they raid the stream, like it up, sub it up, and do all that. So um, I just wanted to shout out Tom Grossi. I wasn't on the stream. It's not the first time we've been Grossi raided before because me and Sox were doing a game about a year ago, and you know the same thing happened. But uh, uh, appreciate Tom Grossi and his Grossi posse. So. Let's go into the statistics of this game. By the way, shout out to Sunil and Daniel Berry. Uh, good to see you guys. Of course, uh, Sunil is feeling pretty good. You know, the Cowboys obviously knocking off the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have to give them credit where credit's due. But anyway, let's go into it. And make sure to like it up, folks. Like it up. But uh, Jordan Love, 25-39, 218 yards, one touchdown in INT. By the way, guys, I am not sick. This is just my voice draining over. From yesterday, um, Tommy DeVito, 17 to 21, one touchdown under 58 yards, no sacks taken, surprisingly, but we'll get to that in the Tommy DeVito segment. He also had the highest QBR of the week in the NFL and has already been nominated for Pepsi Rookie of the Week for the second time this season. Now you look at the rushing games for both sides. I would say Green Bay had a better outcome. Now, if you look at statistics, right? New York total was better, but I feel obviously, you know, you're not looking as the Giants as much. Uh, you're looking more at Green Bay just to where the you know, New York Giants can get better. Uh, A.J. Dillon had 3.5 yards per carry, 15 carries, 53 yards. Didn't have a lot. You know, his longest carry was eight yards. The thing that messed the Giants up a little bit was Patrick Taylor and Jaden Reed. They kept doing the end arounds and all these fakes. Uh, Jaden Reed was the most efficient rusher at 9.5. Uh, yards per carry and then a touchdown and Patrick Taylor had four carries for 30 yards they totaled 25 carries 123 yards one touchdown and 4.9 yards per carry we're going to go to the Giants side as well Saquon Barkley 20 carries 86 yards two touchdowns 4.3 yards per carry if you take out the 34 yard run that shrinks to about 2.7 yards per carry so I just want to make sure you know people are on the same angle with that um, Tommy DeVito, 10 carries, 71 yards, 7.1 yards per carry. I think only two or three of those were actually designed, but we'll get into that, of course. Wondell Robinson was a big part of the rushing game, as he was the receiving game. Two rushes, 36 yards, 18 yards per carry. His longest was a 32-yard end around. And then Matt Breida, two carries for 16 yards. Um, you go to the receiving game. The leading receiver for Green Bay was actually Tucker Kraft. Had a couple of nice plays over the middle. Um, four receptions, 64 yards. Then was Romeo Dobbs, four receptions, 32 yards. And Jaden Reed, two, uh, eight receptions, 27 yards. The New York Giants, 
Wandale Robinson was the leading receiver, six receptions, 79 yards. So he totaled over 100 on the day. Isaiah Hodgins, two receptions, 22 yards and a touchdown. It was two and three receptions for Daniel Bellinger, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, and Jalen Hyatt. Uh, fumbles. This one was a big one in the game, right? This one was a huge one. Keyshawn Nixon fumbled twice. Technically, it should be counted as one, but he fumbled twice on the same in the same sequence of events. Um, and it was obviously recovered by the Giants, specifically Benton Whitley. Uh, Jordan Love had a fumble. It was lost. It was stripped out by Kayvon Thibodeau, and it was recovered by Xavier McKinney. Then Xavier, uh, excuse me, my bad on that one. Uh, Bobby McCain, we'll talk about it later with special teams, but there was a punt, hit Bobby McCain's leg, and it was recovered by Rudy Ford. And then also as well, finally, uh, Saquon Barkley fumbled. We know the big fumble. It was recovered by Carrington Valentine. You move to the defensive side of the ball. No sacks whatsoever for the Green Bay Packers. Two quarterback hits, both by Rashawn Gary. Um, you go to tackles for a loss. They had four, so two by Kenny Clark, one by Devontae Wyatt, and one by Zay McDuffie. McDuffie and Savage were the leading tacklers. Deontay Banks was the leading tackler for the New York Giants, which is a little bit surprising. You really see that at corners. A pass deflection, a tackle for loss for him. Same goes for Ashawn Robinson. Kayvon Thibodeau was the third leading tackler. Half a sack, quarterback hit, and a pass deflection. Half a sack and quarterback hit for Micah McFadden, who didn't have as many tackles as I thought. But um, Jason Pinnock had two PDs. Uh, Adore Jackson had one. Aziz Ojolari had three quarterback hits, half a sack. And then a tackle for a loss, Dexter Lawrence had two quarterback hits, a half a sack, and then a quarterback hit uh, for Mr. Dane Belton. So the Giants totaled two sacks, eight quarterback hits, six pass deflections, and three tackles for loss. And we'll get to the comment section in just a second because I know it's probably filling up a little bit. Uh, but for team stats, Green Bay had more first downs, 19-18. Uh, to 18. The Giants had less passing first downs. Green Bay had 12, the Giants had eight. The Giants had more rushing first downs, 9-6. to six. Uh, one first down from penalties for each side. Third down efficiency, the Giants were 3 for 10, and Green Bay was 5 of 14. Fourth down efficiency, the Giants were 0 for 1, and 1 for 1, Green Bay was. Total plays, Giants 55, 66 for the Green Bay Packers. 326 yards for Green Bay to 367 on the Giants' side. Giants had 12 drives, 11 for Green Bay, 6.7 uh, yards per play for the Giants, and 4.9 for the Green Bay Packers, you move to the red zone. The Giants were 3 of 4. The only one was when the field goal happened. Uh, 2 of 5. That's what Green Bay was in the red zone. Five penalties for 47 yards for the Giants. Four penalties for 39 yards for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers had more turnovers. They had two fumbles lost and an interception. The Giants had two fumbles lost themselves. And the time possession was 31.06 to 28.54. The Green Bay Packers were in the lead with that one. But I want to shout out uh, Jeffrey in the chat uh, and a couple other comments as well uh so let's get into this right because this actually has a uh, a little bit to do with sunil's comments so what i will say i don't know if they brought it up on the stream on monday but i was originally signed in to go to the giants game i thought that was the case uh for press credentials turns out when i got there there was a little bit of a miscommunication and the giants ran out of room in the press box and what sucked for me at the time was I was already at the game. I was already in the parking lot. I'm like, damn, you know? And I, I wasn't alone. I had, you know, you guys see him in the chat, Miz. I, he was with me. I, he was planning to go to the game. I'm like, whatever, you know, obviously pick him up and talk and all this stuff. So I want to shout out him because he's the one who bought the parking pass for me into the game and my ticket into the game. And again, he didn't have to do that. So I want to shout out Miz. Miz is a cool guy uh, in person. I met him twice. Again, went to the game with him. So that's where... You know, anyone was like, you know, you didn't go to the game as a as a credential guy. No, I went as a fan. I went as a fan. It was extremely fun. You know, you kind of forget as a press credentialed person sometimes. Like, I'm not saying all the time because I've only been to two giant games, uh, press credentials. You kind of forget what the fan feeling is like. You know, fans taunting other fans, what the actual stadium reaction is like, unless you do fan interviews. So I wanted to shout him out there. Shouts to uh, Mr angry uh john in the chat and uh yes jeffrey i did see that about bill belichick um 
Yeah, no, Jacob, that's definitely possible with the with the quarterback situation. Rumor has it you were kicked out of the press box. How can I be kicked out of the press box if I never was in the press box uh, on the day of? But let's talk about the main one of the main reasons why the New York Giants won this game, and that's Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, right? You know, I picked against the Giants to, you know, lose this game. Well, to, for the Giants to lose this game, right? I picked against them. And I know, obviously, Luca trolled me. And, you know, I, I stated before, listen, I, I wanted this team to lose. But I don't think that – I don't I don't know how to feel about that. And that's not even the important part of this segment. It's about Tommy DeVito. Um, not a lot of people pick the Giants to win this game, including myself. There's a lot on the line. Um, the Giants were undefeated, technically, in the legacy uniforms. The Giants had not won a Monday night football game since Eli Manning in 2018 against the San Francisco 49ers. I think it was like Veterans Day weekend or something like that. Pretty sure it was that or it was around that time. So you had that. And the Giants have been horrible in primetime. You know, the last technical win, 2022 against the Commanders. But Monday night football was a long, stinging bruise since 2018. So that was five years. Five years almost to the day, month off. So you had that Matt LaFleur in his coaching career had won every single game in December. You know, obviously he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, but still that's pretty impressive. He wins every game in December and he's been coaching since I want to say 2019 because McCarthy left in 2018. So that's impressive, right? You have to give credit where credit is due. And Green Bay's coming off some pretty impressive wins. Came off a win against Kansas City. They came off win uh, against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Two pretty good teams. However you want to rank them as frauds or not, both teams are under 500. So they came into this game, I think it was 6-6. Six and six. Giants came in at 4-8. and eight. And the Giants had a balance of things all in the air coming into this game, right? You lose, you sink in the draft order down to probably 5-4, whatever the number may be. And if you win, you're one game out of the playoffs. And that is what the Giants are currently at. And again, that's just the state of things. Tommy DeVito. I was very grim on Tommy DeVito when I first saw him in training camp. I didn't think much of him when the Giants signed him. Like, okay, you know, some mediocre stats, Syracuse, Illinois, got benched at one of the colleges. I'm like, eh, you know, this contracted guy, not going to do anything. So I see him in training camp, and I even reported on my videos that I went to training camp. I went almost every day. Um, I couldn't, though, because of a couple other things. But nonetheless, I'm like, this dude is confused. This guy, he he's just not reading the defenses. When Wink is sending the blitz, he's just throwing it away, taking sacks. Awful. I'm like, this guy's not going to make the roster. Go to the preseason. He's actually pretty solid. I think he threw two interceptions maybe in the entire preseason span. One against the Jets to Brandon Eccles, which was a pick six. And one against Detroit, but that was like a heave it up. It's the end of the game type thing. So essentially one. So that happens. And we're like, okay, this, this kid can come in here and, you know, go to the practice squad. And off of that, I asked Paul Dettino in our season preview, you know, could he compete for a spot? Did he do enough to compete for next year? And Paul's like, that's a pretty much premature statement. I think you're way ahead of yourself on that one. And respect, because at the time, we didn't know that Tommy DeVito was actually going to play this season. So skip a few weeks in. Tommy DeVito is the backup to Tyrod Taylor against the Bills, against some of these other teams that we played, against Commanders. So finally, he gets his shot against the Jets, and he only throws seven times. And that was the perception of that game. Like, you know, the Giants didn't let Tommy DeVito do anything, and they lost the game because of that. So that happens. Then against the Raiders, they bring Jones back. He tears his ACL, and they bring in DeVito. And what happens? You know, the Giants are already done for that game. They're mentally out of it, emotionally out of it. Against the Cowboys, they lose, right? They lost, I think it was like 49-17. to 17. Seems about right. 49-17. So, like, season's over, roofer losses. So, against Washington, right, he puts on a pretty good performance. Now, at this time, he is still taking a lot of sacks. 
some balls are overthrown, but he's not terrible. Like the only bad thing about him at the time, in my personal opinion, was the fact that he was taking so many sacks when he didn't need to. Like the pocket presence was awful. It was awful. So you go against the Patriots, and he's still taking a lot of sacks. And there was obviously that fumble, which really shouldn't be accounted to him, should be accounted to Wanda Robinson. But wasn't throwing any interceptions, wasn't doing all these sorts of things, right? So it's 2-0 with Tommy DeVito at home. But as a starter, he at that point was 2-1. So we're like, okay, right, whatever. You know, Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, all this other stuff. Uh, by the way, shout out to Scott Young and a want bag in the chat. Um, I'll answer a couple of questions in a little bit, but I want to do I do want to finish this Tommy DeVito segment. So have that. And the bye week comes along, and everybody is thinking on their mind. Yes, the Giants won. Yes, playoffs, you know, are a reach away. The draft pick is there. Who is gonna start a quarterback? Is it Tommy DeVito or is it Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod is fully healthy. And they come out and say Tommy DeVito is going to be our starter. And I think Monday's start, and I'll get into the culture aspect in a little bit because we're going to go into that. But Monday night proved that Tommy DeVito will be the starter for the rest of the season. Not only will he be the starter for the rest of the season, next year is in balance too. But before we get to the culture part, the amount of improvements that this guy has made is significant. Like, you know, I'm not going to get to Brock Purdy levels about him. I'm not going to do that, right? Just just not needed at this moment. But to where he couldn't read defenses in camp, he was throwing shit away. His pocket presence is the best thing that he's improved on. I have never seen, and this is my personal opinion, I have never seen a quarterback improve in pocket presence like he has in uh, in 2 weeks. In 2 weeks. Against the Patriots, he was taking sacks. Against the Commanders, he was taking sacks. It took one bye week. Dude was slippy, slip up. I can't even talk today. It, he was more slippery than a thing of butter. He was more slippery than a lot of different things. Make up your analogies. But when he felt pressure, he moved out of the pocket. Imagine those 71 yards don't happen. Imagine those 71 yards don't happen. The Giants may not have won this game. And I get it. The defense obviously played a big part, which is going to be its own segment. But my, oh, my. Pocket presence, reading defenses, also taking risks. He takes risks. That throw to Wandale, I mean, it was a flea flicker, so it was all designed. But was it a great place ball? No. They had that shit double covered. And even credit to Wandale Robinson for making the adjustment to make the catch. He's no he's no big guy. He's like 5'11". And he's like, I don't know, 160, 170 pounds. So he leaped over two defenders, basically, to make the catch. But Tommy DeVito took that risk. He could have said, oh, crap, you know, downfield, double covered. I'm not taking that risk. He took the risk, and it worked. He took the risk, and it worked. And they didn't have a lot of deep shots this game, but I'm still happy with it. Now. I'm going to go into the culture part because I think this is very important. I think a lot of people actually miss on this as to why he came back and all this other stuff. And people really forget this part of sports. Um, uh, I want to answer this one. Sunil, if the G ladies make the playoffs and Dallas is the number two seed, how tormented do you feel? Um, I mean, there's always that, that whole thing of, you know, you beat a team twice in the regular season and lose to them in the postseason. But realistically though, Dallas would give us a beating. Like I'm not even going to sit here and, and toy with that idea. And also, we'd have the Giants would have to be in the playoff picture. They're 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 not in any wild card spot right now. But I want to talk about this, right? Everybody's talking about well, Devito this, Devito that, you know, all these different things about Tommy Devito, his his play on the field. People are forgetting one thing though. I think part of the reason the Giants went back to him was a fan standpoint. I think the fans pushed it. Now, this is not a fan push as a revolt or a this or that. It's not motivated by anything controversial, in my opinion. It's not. It's not about quarterback play. Well, it kind of was. Now, I guess it is, right? Personally, me, I still think Tyrod's a better quarterback. But let's dig into this. Tommy DeVito, right? There was not necessarily the Italian facade in the preseason because 
he was going up against third stringers, second stringers, and like, okay, yeah, he's he's going to do that, right? He's a drafted third string quarterback. So against the Commanders, a little hype, right? Against the Patriots, the hype goes even more. The Tommy Cutlets, the hand purse, that's that's what they call it. I don't think actual Italians call it that. They don't even have a name for it. Again, I will say this. Most of my friends, most of my inner circle is Italian. I'm not of Italian descent, but going back to um, one of the reasons they went back to him, you're not going to let down this Italian facade. You're not going to let down most of this fan base, which is New York, New Jersey-centric. They represent, meaning the Giants, however you want to shape it, they represent the New York, New Jersey areas, the tri-state. And what is that population? Now, New York, not as much anymore. Jersey, you could still make the argument. What do they represent? Like, what what culture in that respective area is common? Like, wh- what do they have in common? Largely Italian pop- population. Again, not so much New York anymore, uh, but Jersey. Like, New York has its select parts, especially Brooklyn and Staten Island. But... And then this kid's from Jersey, just to make it out. You know, Don Bosco prep. I don't know where that is in Jersey, but it's in Jersey. And there's a lot of obviously famous people that come from Jersey that are Italian. Joe Pesci, Frank Sinatra, Frankie Valli, John Travolta. There's a lot of different guys. But they went back to him, in my personal opinion, a lot because of this facade. This whole trend of the Tommy DeVito era and all these different things. And it's not motivated by anything controversial. Because at the end of the day, Football is a product for the fans. It's not just about the sport itself. It's about entertainment. And we forget, right? You go back to like controversial events or you go back to certain tragedies that this country has suffered. What brings, you know, a population together like sports, especially in a tri-state area? They knew that the Giants fan base, not Tyrod Taylor, not Daniel Jones, not some bum off the street, Matt Barkley. They knew Tommy DeVito because of the aura that came in with him was going to unite this fan base and make them happy in a lost season where the Giants had no hope. Now, guaranteed, if you ask me right now, actually, you know what? We're not even going to touch that because we'll touch on it later. But that's pretty much the whole thing behind this DeVito thing. I think it is mostly prompted by the large portion of Italian population and the whole facade. Right there. And, and Jersey's been a little bit more popular with the Italian population. A lot of people moving to Jersey, plus the Sopranos. That made Jersey very popular. That's not a New York staged uh, show. It's New Jersey. So, again, I just wanted to make that point reiterated. What is up to Scrubs? Scott says, uh, yeah, most Giant fans are Italian. Italian's up, baby, says John. I'm just going with the fact that DeVito at least looks confident when he's out there. That is Particularly true. And you know what? I was talking to Miz in the car on the way home because it's it's hell getting out of that parking lot at MedLife Stadium. He's like, this kid has balls. Like, this kid has legit balls. He's going to throw downfield. He's just got that aura about him. Um, One playoff spot out with three weeks left. You never know. Yeah, listen. I mean, we got to take it game by game, right? We got to take it game by game. But trust me, there's going to be a whole segment later about the Giants possibly making the playoffs. But I wanted to clear this up. Nobody's really talking about it. Like people will bring out the the chicken cutlets and the pork cutlets and all these different things and the burjol and all these different things, right? But they won't talk about the actual cultural influence on this team. And I've never seen it before. Like I was alive during Lynn Sanity. I couldn't watch the Knicks because I wasn't in the New York area at the time. You see some of these other, you know, trends going on in sports, right? Taylor Swift and the Chiefs, that's its own thing. I don't think that that's as cultural, though, because, you know, we're not talking about Taylor Swift's descent. Taylor Swift is very, very trendy, of course, in the pop world. I would argue she made a comeback. That's for Chiefs fans to debate about. But being an Italian from Jersey, a homeschool kid, a homegrown kid. I mean, this is one thing that the Giants can celebrate on and just say, hey, you know, we're celebrating, we're living in the moment of this. And by the way, I did pass by their tailgate without even knowing it, and I kicked myself afterward. I'm like, damn it, man. That was the DeVito tailgate, and I didn't even know. Because they were handing out cutlets and sandwiches and, you know, all these different pastas. It, it was it was, it was a lot. Moxie. There you go. That's the, that is actually the term that uh, my friend Miz used. 
I have more confidence in DeVito than I had ever, uh, ever in Daniel Jones. He's better than Daniel Jones right now. And I know that conversation doesn't really want to be had by some people. And I know it may not be relevant because Daniel Jones is not going to step on the field again this year. But truthfully, he is better and has shown more moxie and more pride and all these different things than Daniel Jones. You know, Daniel Jones will probably just go by the playbook. He's like a silent guy. Tommy DeVito is embracing all of the stuff that he is getting from the media. I mean, they love him. Again, there's like Jones, and I don't want to say this right, but it's true. Like Jones is vanilla. DeVito, he knows he's Italian. He knows he's from Jersey, and he shows it off. That's where that is. But also, I do want to go into the offense a little bit outside of Mr. Tommy DeVito. Um, the Giants run game was not very successful. Though you could admit, you know, obviously factor in, they got they got about 209 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, uh, 34 carries. Now, where do I say it's not a successful thing? It was because it was mostly like design type of stuff. You take out Tommy DeVito, you take out Wandale Robinson, and it's Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida, and it's not, you know, great. But that's the part of the run game I am evaluating. And we'll talk about Wandale Robinson in a second. But... I mean, we already talked about Tommy DeVito. Saquon Barkley, you remove the 34-yard carry, and it's not much. It's about 2.7 yards per carry. I mean, that was a big run. Like, he started to uh, manufacture some big runs at the end of the game when it could have been iced. But we know that fumble happened, and when it happened, I'm like, okay, he's down. Like, what, what what are we sitting here fighting about? What are we sitting here running the ball back about? But then they ruled it a fumble. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Like, the Giants almost found a way to lose the game multiple times during this game. That's what, that's what kind of sucks about this team. And that's where you say, listen, this team is 5-8, and eight, right? They're not over 500 for these types of reasons. These stupid mistakes keep the opponent in games. And the defense did an excellent job. We'll get into that. So, you know, Saquon Barkley had a few good runs. Obviously, 34-yard carry. The fumble was just eh. And I think he, I think he owes DeVito a watch, a sandwich, uh, you know, maybe a steak or something like that. A good Christmas present because Tommy DeVito showed balls at the end of the game to get them back into the game and put Randy Bullock in position to kick a field goal. Um, so there's that. That's why I want to touch out with a running game. Uh, Saquon can only get short yards. He's awful on uh, short yards situations. Well, I mean, in, in terms of that, right? Um, I, I think there's a lot of like hubbub about there about Saquon like not being himself. Uh, you know, 2018 Saquon, he's obviously a different Saquon than he was when he was drafted. I, I think it's just people have to get used to that. I thought the ground, I hit, I thought he was on the um the ground because, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying, Scott. Basically, because he was on the ground that it wasn't a fumble, but he wasn't touched, so that's technically the rule. I know a lot of people don't like it. I'll take the yard game, uh, r- yards and running game. However, I can get it true. Um. The only issue is that Alex can't root for the tank. F the tank. Uh, that's for the Jets who's been getting wrong. So it's, it's obviously the Jets giant stuff in, in the chat and all the banter. Saquon, uh, he's awful in short yardage situations. I mean, that's kind of why you have um, Matt Breida. That's why you have Eric Gray, who played a little bit as well. Jones has the talent, but he's missing the if factor that Tommy DeVito has shown. That's absolutely true. Maybe... If you lived in your parents' basement like Tommy, you could be the G-Ladies QB. Um, I would also have to be Italian. I would also have to be Italian. I'm a huge fan. You guys, believe me, too much has to happen for the G-Men to make playoffs. Again, we'll talk about it. Um, and another year of Daniel Jones will kill me. Um, I don't think there's going to be another year of like Daniel Jones as a starter for 17 games. But again, we'll, we'll talk about that You know, in a little bit. We'll talk about some of the stuff in the season. But Wondell Robinson, he's been a not-talked-about story um, you know, across the NFL because the Giants are a bad football team. But also, let me see where the Giants are in terms of receivers. So right now, Darius Slayton is at 449. Wandale Robinson is at 344, and Darren Waller is at 384. So potentially, if Waller doesn't play this weekend, I don't think he will, 344 yards for Wandale. He could jump over. Waller and be by Slayton if for some reason you know he doesn't want to go to Slayton, meaning uh Tommy DeVito. But this kid he's played really well this year. Like, you know, the first part of the season was like, hey, he's still getting his feet wet and all the short yardage passes. But some of the stuff the Giants have been able to do with him, these end of rounds, these jet sweeps, 
these reverses. Um, and, and just it adds an element to the offense that you figure, hey, once they get an O-line, once they get better receivers, once they get an actual quarterback, this is that this is gonna be great. And you put that type of trust in Kafka and Dable because they are creative, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we talk about Tommy DeVito having all the success. It goes back to Mike Kafka, Shea Tierney, and Brian Dable. It really does. And you have to give the flowers where the flowers need to go. Um, but Wandale Robinson, I mean, one of the most impressive catches that, again, I saw, two of them, two of them actually, was the one down the sideline. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito was running. He throws it. Wandale Robinson, uh, 10 toes down challenges, Chisel Donis would say, makes the catch, failed challenge. And then the flea flicker to Wandale Robinson, where he makes the adjustment to make the catch, and the Giants are suddenly in the red zone. And then the end around, which was like 30-some-odd yards. So Wandale Robinson, is he a number one? Of course not, but also as well, hey, you know, he's a piece for this offense that gets them, you know, into the red zone, all that sort of stuff. And also, by the way, Isaiah Hodgins had a pretty nice game. Now, he only had two catches for 22 yards, but they were impactful, right? Um, that RPO over the middle where he hung on. And then when Tommy DeVito was rolling out of the pocket and throwing on the run and Hodgins made that catch in the end zone. And that was his third touchdown on the season. He's a guy that really hasn't been factored in the offense a lot, but you figure Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton and uh, Wendell Robinson are a little bit more in terms of priority. And I also have to talk about this, right? The O-line, not good in run blocking at all, but in pass blocking, in addition to Tommy DeVito avoiding the sacks, they only gave up two quarterback hits. And this is a manufactured O-line. You know, JMS is playing better. Andrew Thomas is being Andrew Thomas. Bredesen's doing his thing. Justin Pugh's doing his thing. And Tyree Phillips, you know, some of these guys are not going to be here next year. But this wasn't necessarily like, I would say, the worst pass rush in the league. This was a pretty decent pass rush. Rashad Gary, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark. That's a pretty good pass rush. And the fact that Rashawn Gary was the only one that touched the quarterback, that's pretty impressive. So you have to shout out the entire offensive line because they did a, a stellar job, absolute stellar job. Um, well, Dana Jones, uh, he might be – I said this, and I know this is kind of a big-picture discussion. Actually, you know what, Sunil, I'm going to save your comment for later on because I mentioned this last night in the car to my friend, Miz, uh, of course, and – I have a little theory about that. Jaden Daniels or McCarthy incoming or a trade-up or a trade-up. Saquon has been unclutch at some point. Running back of his caliber has to be able to carry a team. Tiki Barber was clutch. I think just, you know, two stages of their career. Saquon Barkley's kind of like going down um, a little bit. You know, he wasn't – he's not 2018 Saquon Barkley. So, um, yeah, I don't think he's as burst. He's got the burst. I don't think he's just as elusive. Um, and his ball security has has eh, not a fan of his ball security this year, uh, causing two interceptions and then the two fumbles. But um, he's also 217 yards away from a thousand, so that could be you know a record breaker for him. In terms of what, let's see, he would have he's played 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I think there's only two years where he would not have a total of a thousand twenty and twenty one, but. Uh, we're going to switch it over to the defense, but first I do want to talk about our sponsors at SeatGeek. If you guys have already go out, if you're going to a ball game, if you're going to a tailgate or a concert, Big Blue in the Bronx, that promo code gets you $20 off your entire ticket order. Big Blue in the Bronx, that's your promo code. Uh, the Packers were missing Quay Walker. They had no one to contain or spy on a QB. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see the snap counts with Isaiah McDuffie, but Devontae Campbell is not going to be somebody that you put on a quarterback to spy. He's not that athletic. He's just a guy, you know, he's a bit bulky. Have him in the running game. And speaking of defensive players, let's talk about our defense. The Giants have, I don't know if this is actually a record, but for this season it is. I'll call it a record for this season. The Giants have 12 turnovers accumulated in the last three games. That is the first among NFL teams. Now, actually make it last three games. Yeah, make it last three games. That's four weeks, including the Packers game. Include a bye week in there. And the record still stands. Talk about a team playing for their coach like never before. Right? And this is why I make the argument. Wink Martindale, under any circumstances, 
whatever the case may be, you need to repair your relationship because your defense is responsible in most forms for these five wins that are on the schedule and most of last year as well, I will admit. So I don't know what Dable's thinking, but he's got to hand it over to Wink. He's got to hand it over to say, hey, listen, you know, obviously all these different things. And there were parts of the defense that were not good. Like, I thought the tackling was a little bit poorer than usual. I thought the coverage on some plays, not great. But at the end of the day, the defense is clutch. Like, you take out a couple of games, and the real test for this defense will be against Philly, right? You know, New Orleans, they have a piss-poor offense. They probably rank near us in offensive yards. Derek Carr's not been good. Um, their offensive line is garbage. Like, they should feast next week on that offensive line, and we're going to have a guy on. I'll talk about all that stuff recording Friday and then, you know, the podcast on Saturday. But my thing is, right, you know, we'll see what this defense does against Philly. If they play like a little bit how they played against Green Bay and New England and the Commanders, then you're talking about something here. You really are. And I've been talking about it all season. Other than the Dallas game twice, the Arizona game and the 49er game, this defense has played up to par. There's no reason that Wink should be gone. There's no reason. No reason at all. You know, you could talk about T-Mac. You could talk about all these different position coaches. He shouldn't be gone. And they had three turnovers on this game, one in special teams particularly. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, I thought he had a good game. Impactful versus the run a little bit. And he ties Leonard Williams in sack record technically, right? Um, I think the last giant to get double-digit sacks was Leonard Williams. Now it's Kayvon Thibodeau, and he matched his record at 11.5, and, and I think before Leonard Williams, it was Marcus Golden. Before Marcus Golden was Jason Pierre-Paul. So there's that, right? Um, you know, he again, very impactful versus the running game. Dex had a pretty good game. He had half a sack, a couple of quarterback hits, PFLs, pressures. Dex is the man. And again, he'd be getting a lot more attention if this team was winning. And let me say this, right? For now on, I'm going to make this declaration. Bobby O is not a subject. Bobby O is not a subject because Bobby O is doing what he's asked to do and above and beyond that every single game. This man has a partly fractured rib, and he's going out there and playing some of his best football. This, in my opinion... You know, last year he got a lot of opportunities, right? Because of Shaq Leonard being out and all these different things that were happening with the Colts. This year under Wink, you found your Mike Backer. And that was one of my concerns coming into the season. I'm like, okay, Bobby O was a Mike Backer last year. But what about the few years prior? You know, it was mostly Shaq Leonard. It was mostly Darius Leonard. He's coming in and he's proving me wrong. Another guy that would have a Pro Bowl. If it wasn't for this team being five and eight, he'd get recognized more across the league. And there's going to be guys, I think, Okarake is top five in voting in this position. Dex is not, which is a little bit of a shame. Kayvon is, and Jamie Gillen is. We'll talk about Jamie Gillen in a second, by the way. You know, more we go to special teams. Um, Aziz had a quiet game, but it was a productive game. Like, that's the stuff you want to see out of Aziz. Six quarterback pressures. Half a sack. I think he totaled, let's see, I think Giants newspaper podcast covered it, Chris Bizignato and Jerry Foley. Um, six pressures, four stops at the line of scrimmage, and half sack. I mean, the Giants may or may not cut this guy next year. This was a good game by him. This was a good game. Now, I expect a little bit more, but, you know, he came in with Dex on one of the sacks. By the way, Kayvon Thibodeau should get the full sack. I don't think Michael McFadden did a ton to have that half a sack, but it is what it is. Um as I said, overall, not great versus the run. Like, versus Dylan, they couldn't get anything going. But Patrick Taylor, when he ran, he was pretty successful. When Jaden Reed had the reverses and the end arounds, he was pretty successful as well. Um, I thought Cordell Flott struggled. Tucker Craft had a lot of success. A lot of success off him. And he ended up being benched in the second half of the game for Darnay Holmes. And Darnay Holmes took the wrong angle to a couple of plays. So hopefully that gets better when you go against New Orleans. Who is without Michael Thomas? They have Chris Olave, who will probably be covered up by a Dory, but you know, you'll factor in the other receivers when we get the game prep uh, later in the week. But Cordell Flott struggled. That's something to note. 
they played a lot of zone. They played a lot of zone. I think that's part of the reason that Wink and maybe Brian Dable are feuding is because of this defensive strategy where Dable's more of a zone guy and Wink Martindale's more of a blitz, aggressive type guy. I don't want to switch off my stuff. If they played more man coverage, it could have been possible that they were beat a little bit more. And But that would be like Cordell Flott would be a little bit better. But also, you don't want to make your defense fit for one player to where, you know, a lot of different things aren't happening and this and the other thing. But it ended up being a better game strategy to play more zone than man because they were getting beaten man coverage. And in the red zone, the Giants defense was pretty good for the most part. And then also, Deontay Banks showed out. That's really no surprise. Do I think he should be a pro bowler? No, but it's good to recognize that he's playing like a legit corner too. And, you know, I want to see him down the stretch in some corner one situations just to test him, just to test him, man. Because, again, he was picked uh, at a fairly significant number in the 23 draft. And then before we get to special teams miscues in the comments and all these other different things, Jason Pinnock, I think he's one of the more underrated storylines of this giant season because he's a guy that came in here last year, didn't have any expectations, played solid when Xavier McKinney did his stupid thing with the ATB accident, played well. Then, you know, comes back for the 2023 season as a full-time safety. And he's playing really well. Like I said in training camp, the way he's playing is not sustainable because he's just Jason Pinnock and this is not going to be much. But he's played really well this season. Like coverage stats aren't bad. His ball hawking is pretty good. And his ability at the line of scrimmage is pretty good. So... Pinnock, I, I love Jason Pinnock. I, I've grown to love him. Um, Aziz has been hurt. He just needs to get healthy. He'll be all right. He'll be on the roster next season at least. That's the end of his rookie contract, so you are right. Scrubs, Flot is tiny, small. Aziz has been a disappointment. Uh, Bobby O's been a good free agent signing. Flot is tiny. Uh, I think that report uh, between Dave and Wink was overblown. Things happen. Everyone gets frustrated when you get worked for 49 points. That's very much true. We're really happy with uh, Deontay Banks this year. Yes, indeed. Um, going to special teams, though, right? Going to special teams. It continues to be a disaster on most fronts. It really does. Um, and the one bright spot, right, is is Jamie Gillen. Jamie Gillen is at the top of the league in punting stats. I don't have him on me, but you look him up. And even just, like, if you're not a punting stats guy, it's been noticeable. More inside the 10, more inside the 20, more inside the 5. It's not, oh, he shanked this one, oh, he shanked that one. He actually deserves a Pro Bowl this year. And I was wrong because, like, when he, they brought him back, I'm like, guys, what, what, what are you doing? Like, seriously, like, we, we could have gotten somebody else, but uh, they resigned Jamie Gillen. It was actually one of the best moves of the offseason besides Bobby O and all these different guys. So you have that. But um, just I'm going to relate it to coaching. Bobby McCain, not look, and it's veteranship too, because McCain's been in the league since like 2015. Dude, how are you not looking up and looking around the football at the time? And then it falls on you, and then you touch it with your leg, and then they pick it up. Like I said at the time, that's a momentum changer right there. And they ended up scoring a touchdown, I believe, off of it. So just special teams being special teams. And Gunnar Olszewski was absolutely laid out in the middle of the field. I forget who laid him out specifically, but that was dirty. Like, you know, you put your whole body into a guy who's trying to get to the ball, and it was a fair catch interference. Well, it wasn't fair catch interference, but it was the inability to let the receiver catch the ball before tackling him. Like, that's 1970s, 1980s football. That's not really relevant anymore. Um, We can talk about the snap counts, and then we'll talk about playoffs and big picture stuff. So Dan Duggan usually has these snap counts does he today he okay they took away the media part okay so anyway they do have the snap counts 100 for jason pinnock deontay banks dory jackson bobby okarake and xavier mckinney Kayvon thibodeau missed one snap one snap only at 99 micah mcfadden 74 aziz ojalari 72 Cordell Flott, 60%, 59% for Ashawn Robinson and Raquel Nunez Roches. Jod Ward at 47%. Dexter Lawrence coming off of a hamstring. They only played him at 43%. Isaiah Simmons at 26%, 16% for DJ Davidson. Six, uh, 15% for Darnay Holmes. 13% for Jordan Riley. Benton Whitley and Dane Belton. 
at 9%. You look at the offensive side of the football, Ben Bredesen, Justin Pugh, John Michael Schmitz, Tyree Phillips, Andrew Thomas, and Tommy DeVito all at 100%, 93% for Darius Slayton, 89% for Daniel Bellinger, 86% for Saquon Barkley, 79% for Wandale Robinson, 64% for Jalen Hyatt, 36% for Isaiah Hodgins, Matt Breida, 18%, Mark Lewinsky and Lawrence Cager at 16%, and 2% for Sean Harlow and Eric Gray. So, Let's talk about can the Giants make a run and also the big picture thing with Tommy DeVito a little bit. So can the Giants make a run? It is technically possible, right, that the Giants can make a run. They control their own destiny. So if they win out, they make the playoffs most likely, jump over teams like Green Bay, whatever. It also has to do with a couple of different situations. But you're going to have to pass through a lot of different situations. You're going to have to beat good teams. Uh, The Rams are better than the Giants. You have them at home on New Year's Eve. Uh, the following week, you have the Eagles, the last game of the season. And then the toughest battle, arguably, is when you go to Philly in two weeks on Christmas Day and play them in a hostile atmosphere where a lot of the players from last year are going to get PTSD because they got their ass beat last year there. So there's that. Like That's not a, a good memory for them. That's not a good memory for them. But hopefully they get that energy from last year. And just say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put in new energy this year, right? Um, so as far as the people rooting for tanking, again, I'm not gonna sit here and dictate how people fan. I'm not gonna tell them they shouldn't tell me all these different things. But I don't think that the Giants will be getting a top three pick. I think that's pretty obvious. The most, like four, five, six, seven that they'll get at this point, I think is four, because I'm gonna look at the draft order. It's Panthers, which is Bears. Then you got the Patriots, who are already eliminated from the playoffs. Then you got the Cards, who are not going to win another game this season. And they're three and ten, I believe they are. And they don't really have a win on the schedule. I looked at it. The Commanders could win a game. The Bears could win another game. The Raiders could win another game. And the Jets could win another game. So all those teams could win another game. And let's just say the Giants don't win another game. They would probably fall to the number four pick by season's end which is where they were in 2020 by selecting Andrew Thomas. But that's the closest you get to a quarterback. And there's all sorts of speculation now. Hey, you know, is Justin Fields going to remain the quarterback for uh, the Chicago Bears? Is Kyler Murray going to remain the quarterback for the Cardinals? You know, Bill Belichick is also leaving the Patriots. Does that really dictate how they do with the draft in terms of draft picks? There's all sorts of things that go into play. So, um, the Giants, the lowest they'll get is number four, but they could get number three if, for some reason, the Cardinals go out there and mess around and win some games. By the way, the Patriots also have three wins, um, but they could win two more games, but they could also lose the rest of the games. But anyway, so that's for the tanking people. Um, now, obviously, again, just to close off the playoff stuff before we go to picture Tommy DeVito, they would have to beat the Eagles in Philly. That's your biggest test. If you could do that, then you could realistically beat the Rams and go against the Eagles in Week 18 and beat them at home. That's your home atmosphere. Your fans will be riled up, but you have to win a game by game. You have to win against the Saints, or else nobody's going to sit here and talk about you in the playoffs. They'll be just talking about this Tommy DeVito stuff. Now, big picture, Tommy DeVito. Sunil brought up a comment about Daniel Jones and him basically being the Jacoby Ellsbury of the Giants 2024 season. I could realistically see that happening to where they IR Jones, they PUP Jones for a few weeks, um, coming back in training camp. They bring in another backup. They bring in DeVito, and they bring in a rookie quarterback and just say, okay, Jones, we're going to have you sit on PUP, and we'll have the rest of the guys battle it out and so on and so forth. So realistically, if the rookie is not ready, and then this is, this is only in that situation, I'm not saying it will be the situation. I'm just proposing it. Um, that it could be a possibility. If the rookie is not ready yet for, say, you know, you draft him in the late first round or the second round or any of these things, situations to where the rookie is not ready yet, then you probably say, okay, Tommy, do what you did last year, start the first few games of the season. Then the locker room will be behind you. you make the switch over to the rookie quarterback. You really don't have to touch Daniel Jones. And then when he comes back, you know, he sits as a backup or he sits as the second string, third string, whatever the situation may call for. So Tommy DeVito, by this win, by the last few wins, by this aura, he's 
getting bought into by the fan base. He's getting bought into by the locker room. And he has, in my opinion, secured himself at least a training camp session for next year. Because I don't think the Giants are letting him go. I don't think that's going to happen. But I want to get to some more comments. What's up to a Vinny? He says, a Giants fan, would you entertain firing Dable if Belichick told Mara he wants to the Giants gig as his last job? Um, that would be very stupid of John Mara, personally speaking. Like, I don't think that'd be the right decision. Because I, I feel that that would be a decision that John Mara would make. Now, I think he'll see this Tommy DeVito stuff and this, like, good feeling by the fan base. And especially, like, the tri-state area, which is something I talked about in the beginning of the show. Um, you know, the, the whole Italian thing amongst New York's, uh, you know, population and New Jersey and all that sort of stuff. If they didn't, I would see it as a more possibility, you know, if the Giants were winning these games, I would see your, your situation as more of a possibility. But I think in that situation where he would go out there and try to meddle and try to go get Bill Belichick, um, I think that would be a lot of triggered, what's the word, nostalgia, because he was a Giants defensive coordinator, and obviously he won six Super Bowls and then won two with the Giants beforehand. But I don't see that realistic yet, but it is a good question. I will give it to you, Vinny. The Giants will do something they haven't done a forever and sweep Philly to make the playoffs. Last time the Giants swept Philly. Can't remember. Can't remember. What's the scoop on Evan Neal? Uh, he's injured. I will be making a video about him this week. Damn, Dane Belton still exists? Yeah, he does. Uh, Specialist has some good moments. Shoot, They shoot themselves in the foot in the same game. So it's like, it's uh, on and off. McKinney, uh, McKinney will be going next year. Pinnock will be our safety. I think that could be a possibility, but they'd have to have some confidence in Dane Belton. Um Pennock is a viable safety. Having him around as a second, third, a second or third guy is a plus. You're right, like the return guy they brought in. Yep, that's uh, Gunnar Olszewski. But folks, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops. You drops this video should be audio version on Spotify and all the different platforms probably within the next hour. We're gonna have more video content for you guys this week on the channel. Um, some Yankee content, some Mets content. I'm going to put out an update regarding our Yankee offseason stream, but also some Giants content as as well. I'm going to make a video about Evan Neal, and then we'll go along with it. Um, Appreciate you guys. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Use the CK code. Appreciate you guys. We're outie.